Welcome to a new episode of Red Envelope. Today, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Bradley Lima, and we're going to talk about a topic that is one of, I would say, the hottest in town for the last few weeks: the Apple Card. So it's created a lot of buzz. It's officially launched in the U.S., and we hear from our friends, we hear from social circles, we hear from the news, and everywhere. Various opinions about what people think about the card, whether or not is innovative, whether or not is useful, people predicting demise of it, people thinking about what's going to happen in the future, people comparing with what we're doing in here versus what we have overseas. Anyway, so we thought we will spend some time so we can chat about it. So, Brad, both you and I have had the Apple Card digitally as well as physically for a while now. What do you think about it so far? Well, I, you know, I, I get why people don't think it's、um, earth-shattering. I, I think that you know, people that are in the industry or people that are in sort of fintech circles will look at the features and say, you know, there's nothing really new here. There's、um, really interesting activation. There's a really interesting application process, and yes, it embeds directly into your phone and all that stuff. But what's to see? And and they're sort of underwhelmed by the percentage of rewards that you could get, and sort of lament about the way that you could get anything beyond the one percent. But I think they're really missing the point.、Um, I think is underappreciated、uh, globally about the Apple Card launch is that in the U.S., where Goldman and Apple have partnered for this launch, there's 45% penetration of iPhone users. There are 190 million iPhones that are being actively used in the U.S. across 100 million users. I mean, that's 45% of the population, and so that market alone. Should get people very interested in what's going to happen with Apple Card. I mean, what, what's your first impression? Well, I'd say I like it. So let's start off from the sign-up and activation experience, right? That we, that we both chat about a little bit earlier. So from my perspective, I got the email invitation to join. I got so excited. I have to say, I think the clunkiest part was the fact that I forgot I lock my credit, so I had to actually go to credit un- to TransUnion and unfreeze my credit, and then I realized that because I haven't used it for so long, I forgot my password. So, if you take all that part away from me being like super safe and freeze everything, and to me super safe of not writing everything down and forgetting and resetting the password, if you take all of that out. The experience should have been: you click on the link, and boom, sign-up process. A lot of the information was already pre-populated. You don't have to re-enter your name because they already know who you are based on your Apple ID. And I just need to fill out two, three pieces of information. I mean, it was literally, I would say, what less than a minute, and the whole the whole sign-up process was done, and you got approved. And right away, you can see in, in your phone. How much you get approved? You see right away what's your APR. I mean, and you can use it right away. How cool is that? Well, you know, the the idea of the digital issuance is something that <clears throat> I think has been really, again, sort of not leveraged yet.、Um, when you get a new card from anyone else, they'll say, "Yeah, you're approved," and then you have to wait for a physical card. It's very rare、um, to even hear globally of digital issuance being done to this exception. Um, so, so my experience was a little bit different because I wasn't one of those early birds that got the invitation. I had to wait until like you know day one of the normal people that were invited, 
but it was like fear of missing out, right? So you had this huge fear of missing out, like in the weeks ahead of time, watching these people that were like posting videos of the card activation process and all the rest. And so when I finally, you know, everybody had this chance and I finally got in and I actually put in the information, it reminded me an awful lot of like in a firm loan or something like that, where it's like, here, give me four pieces of information. But in this case, it was even less. You know, like you said, they have your Apple ID, they know who you are, they know everything about you. Goldman just wanted to know, you know, last four social, which makes sense. They have to do a credit check. They wanted to know income. They wanted to know, I think that was almost it because Apple provided the rest. And so the, the, the thing that's different up front is that they are likely giving this card to people that wouldn't normally get a rewards card or wouldn't normally get a you know, titanium card. And so when you go through that process and you, and you activate the card, digital issuance is really going to be a norm. And that's why when we compare it to the way you pay around the world, you know, it may not seem so novel because you're using Alipay and WeChat and everything else to pay. But for a credit card, this is very, very novel. It's something that I spent probably nine months with in a previous bank doing a, a really quick look at how you could offer digital issuance to get around things like the need to do physical hot card at branches. So this is something that every single bank should have today. And that's already sort of a game changer in my mind is the activation and issuance of that card has no competition. Yes, I, I remember when I posted on Twitter when I got the physical card and, and I posted a picture of it and say, hey, look, I got it. And someone replied right away to say, wait, you didn't take a video of how you activated the card. And then I'm like, no, because it took three seconds. It took me longer to take the packaging out than it took for me to activate the physical card. I mean, it, right, it was the same for you. You open up the package, you take out this very unassuming brown envelope, cardboard envelope, and, and then you take out the Apple envelope, you see your card, you put your phone next to it, boom, it's done. It, it's, it's, there is no phone number to call. There's no looking for a phone to dial in. There's no, you know, please give me the last four digits of your social, or please give me the last four digits of the card that we just mail you. So you have to fumble through your mail and look for it. There's none of that. It's, you have the phone, you have the card, and you're done. And that's how it should be, right? This is not new technology. It's just Apple using what is existing and repackaging the whole experience to make it seamless, to make it easy for you to use it. And that's how it's supposed to be, like you say. You know, I, I, did, I didn't think about this, but I wonder if, because in the envelope itself, there's an RFID chip or something like that that allows that connectivity to happen with the card and the phone. Um, when people go to use the card, are they going to think that it's contactless? Because it's not. You know, because this is obviously a play to make Apple Pay um, more widely used, and it's an ecosystem play around Apple and using both Apple Cash and Apple Pay. Um, but the reason why I connected to the phone when you had the physical card so immediately was because of the ID that is inside the chip that matches to the card and to your device. And so, you know, that whole experience, again, <clears throat> of not only having digital issuance and the ability to have it front and center in the wallet. So if you remember back, you know, when you first got it approved and you added it to your wallet, it said, hey, do you want to make this primary? Mm -hmm. I mean, how subtle was that? And how could only Apple allow that to happen with their card? Right. Yeah. So when you add, you know, a Chase card or a City card or Capital One card, they don't have, you know, that ability. Apple doesn't say, hey, do you want to make your Capital One card your primary? 
So again, this is going to reinforce the use of that card again and again through the course of over 100 million users and 190 million devices. So it's interesting, you, you mentioned there are two things that you just said there. One is it's about contactless. And, and I think the only comment I'll add to it is fortunately or unfortunately, I don't think contactless is, is, uh, is, is common in the U.S. just yet, right? So, so I, I don't think consumers will get too, too confused about it. Although I do have to say I got so excited when I saw the first um, terminal, I think, couple of months ago that I saw and said to sign, oh, contactless, and just so happened my Chase Bank just issued me a working contactless credit card, so that was nice. But to your other point about, you know, reinforcing the use of, of the card, it, it's fascinating because we're talking about changing people's behavior, changing consumer behavior. So if I take a step back and look at my situation, I don't need an extra credit card. Right, I had no use for an extra card. I already had all my spending habits um, done already. And so, you know, from my perspective, it's like, okay, I have one card that I have slated for business expenses. I have one card slated for family expenses. And I have one card that I've always used for personal purchases. So I, 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 the spending habits are set, the behavior is set. When the Apple card came about, I wanted to get it because I was curious. And I looked at it, I said, wow, wait a minute, now I have to think about when I'm going to use it, how I'm going to use it. I have to consciously remember when I go make a purchase that, hey, I have an Apple card, I should use it. Right. So so I think it goes back to to some of the points that I, I think some of our skeptical friends said is, why do I need a card for? Well, and that's the thing, you know, consumer behavior is hard to change um, when when you think about, you know, which card you use and why um, for an awful long time, you know, I'll have a MasterCard or Visa and my Amex and wallet. If they take Amex, I'll use my Amex. If um I look at why it's primarily because the rewards associated with it. It's not a cash back card or else everybody would be using discover card. Uh, it's not, you know, about any particular thing other than the fact that I could use those points in just about any way I can, uh, in a consumer good or in miles for a trip or for hotels or what have you, it just works across everything. And so with Apple card giving one, two and 3% cash back, there's an awful lot of those features that are really interesting um, but what will be, to your point, um, most interesting to watch is how much consumer behavior really changes around the way we pay when people still aren't using Apple Pay, even when it's available. I am a big Apple Pay fan. <laughs> I, I can literally go through town in D.C. for the entire week without using my wallet. I, I use Apple Pay where I go. Most grocery stores take it. Most retail stores take it. Um, but, but to your point, right, let's talk about the rewards and the offers and all of that. I think one of the biggest gripes that people have as well, you know, it's only doing 2%. Um, you know, when you use Apple Pay, it's only doing 1% if you use a physical card. But all these other cards, it offers more. Or another gripe that we hear as well, you know, with, with 
you know, airline loyalty cards, for example, because I have a United one, you got miles. What do you get for, for Apple card, right? So again, I, I, I think is doing it an injustice if we're just comparing one specific offer to a, the next offer, because I think the, the whole value prop for the Apple card is beyond that. It's not just about that one particular thing and having that one thing stands out. It's about the overall package. So, you know, for example, I love my Amex card. I've had it for, good God, 20 some years. And I love the Amex offers that it does. You know, it, it does, it knows where I normally spend money. It knows what type of purchases I normally do. For example, I do love food. So I spend a fair amount of money in certain restaurants. Um, and with Amex offers, it sends me periodic offers to restaurants that are relevant, restaurants and places that I visit, an incentive to use a card. So I got trained to remember, oh, you know, if I want to make a reservation for a particular restaurant, I use my Amex card because I got a huge discount on that. So things like that would probably incentivize consumers to, to use the Apple card more. But the one thing I love about the card, um, when I look at it in, in the wallet, there is a feature that says pay early, right? It, it's a big button. You can't miss it if you open up the wallet app. And it got me thinking, as a consumer, I, I don't have a credit card debt. So, you know, you can say some of the, some of the part of the incentive is for them to pay so you don't incur um, interest and, and whatnot. But what else could Apple do or what else can Goldman do? What else can this combo of the two giants do to entice people to have to adopt more positive behavior so that they can get to a better financial outcome using tools like that, pay early. For example, here's an incentive X. If you pay your bill early, this is what you can get, right? The, the options are, are limitless. So there's a couple of things to sort of unpack a little bit there. One is this angle of financial wellness, which plays well into Apple's um, initial foray into physical health. Um, the idea that they are looking out for you to reduce their interest or your interest expense um, for your personal budget is really different, right? So, so the visualization of how you pay early and if you pay early and what the impact of that is, again, is something that you don't see anywhere else in the industry. And in this case, you don't see anywhere else in the globe. It is the very first time I have seen anything like that to both encourage people to pay early and to see the physical change that will impact their wallet. And so I think that that's fascinating and, again, should be sort of a stakeholder if credit card issuers truly believed in the financial wellness of their consumers, which obviously, based on the profit we see, is not the case. Um, the other one is something that, again, a lot of people have been sort of um, not really been excited about in the space is this idea of sort of a color-coded um, system about where you pay and, and how you spend. Um, to your point, you know, you go to restaurants and you go to groceries, so most of yours will be one color, it'll be food. But if you use this as your daily card and continue to sort of build up the cash rewards, you're going to get more insight um, into where you're spending. And yes, fintech people are a little jaded, right? They've they've been looking at this stuff since Mint launched at Finnovate, you know, 11, 12 years ago. Uh, they've looked at PFM for years and they just, you know, dismiss it um, sort of outright at this point because it hasn't moved the needle. People don't go in and use it. They will if it's seamless. They will if it's on a card 
that all they have to do is use and it tells them right away what's going on. And people, you know, still, I think, overestimate how many of us have been exposed to that type of budgeting, real-time feedback, you know, that, yeah, six or seven years ago, you know, Simple or Move-In took the mantle from Mint and moved that into daily transactions. But what credit card do you have that actually tells you immediately what impact what you spent is on your overall budget? None of them. We would like to give a mention to our creative partner, Tremendousness. Tremendousness is a creative agency that uses visual thinking, information design, and storytelling to help organizations explore and innovations, products, and processes. Learn more at www.tremendo.us. So to, to your point, I, I, I do agree. I, I think we're very, very jaded just because we got exposure to so many things going on outside our immediate little bubble that we're like, well, you know, this is not interesting. So let's talk a little bit about what we would like to see if this is like a blue sky, right? What some of the features we would like to see on the card. So the one thing that came to mind when you were talking about the budgeting, you're talking about the ring is since it already knows let's say my card is completely orange because I spend most of my, uh, let's say, money and time on, on food, grocery shoppings and whatnot. It would be nice for them to eventually next up is to be able to say, you know, like how the health rings are, you have, you know, this is your goal, this is how much you need to exercise and this is how much you have actually done to be able to do that, right? To say, this is how much you should have spent on food and groceries, and this is how much you have already. So you have two color ring to see it. That, that could be an easy and visual way to go, that I don't have to do an extra step to do it because it already has all the transactions in there. Yeah, I mean, I remember tweeting at Tim Cook uh, when the card details were announced way before it launched, and I said, hey, Tim, great idea to have a little bit of this financial wellness embedded within the card, but I said, what can you do to go beyond that? Um, so for me, it's, it's not only, you know, so let's talk about rewards really quick. So most reward programs that are associated with either um, a checking account, current account spend, or a credit card are run by companies like Cardlytics. Cardlytics and others have been around for a decade plus. They're, they're large marketing platforms for corporate partners, um, anything from Target to, you know, say The Gap or another sort of retailer. And what they do is they say, okay, well, you shopped at The Gap, so you should want to shop at... Um, you know, apostrophe or lucky jeans or whatever it might be that's even associated with that, that we actually can make money off of. But what that does is it takes, you know, a, a split of revenue from that click um, of using that reward and it gives it to the bank partner and it gives it to Cardlytics and whoever else, including the merchant. Well, that doesn't necessarily optimize where the consumer actually is shopping at, nor does it provide the value as a additional incentive to use that card. How many times have you actually gone into reward programs on your credit card or on your current account and you've said, oh, I'm going to click to add that, never really realizing that you'll either, one, never shop there because you never did before, or maybe you'll um, shop there but don't even remember the reward. It's not like they remind you when that reward is actually taken up. So rewards themselves are a misnomer because they're not really rewarding. Um, The way that rewards, if I had, again, blue sky – 
or you know the way that I would probably project them would be I'm going every single day to Starbucks or Pete's or Blue Bottle or what have you, and I at 8:45 get a coffee. On Friday, every other Friday, I'd like it for my credit card company to say, "Hey, steps on us," or "I'm going to pay for half of it," or whatever it might be, because they know me, they know where I shop, they know my habits. And for you, it's restaurants, and for everybody else, you know, it could be another kind of feature. But rewards alone are not rewarding. Um, so I think that they're on to something here, um, and we'll see where that goes. Let's talk a little bit. You, you had mentioned um, some things about um, the idea of – Let's right, clean that pause. part up. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, where I want to transition to this is the, the card um, numbers and that kind of stuff. So let's yep. take out the last 30 seconds. Got it. We'll pick up. Um, we'll pick up after, Brad. You got done talking about you know let's reward one out of every you know few Starbucks drinks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know if I if I look at us as human beings, right? We are all creatures of habits. So we all have our routines, and so we already spent our resources and our stat, uh, and our routines that are established. So, so if you can seamlessly behind the scene reward us based on that i think it will make it so much easier than like you say me remembering oh i added this offer oh by the way i need to do x when this happens it's just way too much work um which again is the other reason why a lot of these rewards are not working um let alone relevancy which is entirely missing in most cases but the other thing I would like to see um, is security, right? Security is something that we talk quite a bit about in, when, when we talk about Apple products. It's one of the things that they take pride on. It's one of the things that I would say, you know, if I were to choose between the different operating systems, I would trust them more. Um, so one of the things, you know, obviously when you pick up the actual card, you will see is that two things are missing that we typically see in a credit card. There's no card number and there's no signature strip in the back. It's, the, the change is subtle, but yet is noticeable. Um, when you pick up the other cards, you're like, oh, wait a minute, the credit card number is not here. And obviously, you know, it's for security reason, right? Because a lot of times in restaurants in the US, you pay for a certain meal, they take it to the back, they swipe it and then bring it back. Or you accidentally lose the card, someone pick it up, they get all of the information and I would say, uh, Many of us have probably had the incident where someone has stolen our credit card um, at retail locations. So not having a card number there, and also that if you look at the backend infrastructure of how they set up the card, it provides an extra layer of security. But what I would like to see in this card, again, if it were blue sky, is the ability for us to set different card numbers for different types of merchants that we go to online. Because if you look at people's shopping habits, right? We talk a lot about e-commerce. We talk about a lot where people don't go to actual physical stores to shop for things anymore. They get everything online. Well, if I get everything online, I still have to go enter the card number. I still get a chance of being exposed and get my credit card number stolen. So what if there are some startups out there that's doing this already? What if it can actually provide me and auto-generate a virtual card number each time when I go to a specific, specific merchant? That will provide an extra layer of security. Um, you know, one of the things um, that I, I know that they will eventually put into this card 
has to do with the acquisition that uh, Goldman Sachs did in Final. So Final Card was originally sort of a, a small business credit card company that was a fintech um, that did a couple things. Much like um, some of the other providers, like um, Token and some others, they provided a way to do potentially hundreds of cards, right? So every single time you used a new merchant, every single time you set up a business relationship with someone that you wanted to do payments with, you had a new card number. And that provided not just security, it allowed you to do things like issue cards to your employees um, to have their own card number, but it sort of ran off of a master account. Um, so Goldman acquired that, and I know that eventually it makes sense to put that into this card because it's not just for security, it's also for tracking. It's also, you know, you don't have to worry about losing that card number. Like you said, it gets reissued um, very quickly, and, and it adds much extra security for sure. I would extend that to another use case as well is what about caregiving situation, right? What if I want the ability for my parents or my grandparents to purchase something online, but I'm worried about security. I can give them an, a virtual card number for them to use. And that way I know and see what they're spending. Um, so, you know, th those are all interesting ideas. The other thing, you know, like I mentioned that we noticed is the, the lack of signature. Um, on the card. I actually didn't even notice it until someone reminded me the other day. Um, I was at a store getting, getting clothes for my kids. And then she's like, wait, you don't sign? I'm like, oh, you're right. I don't have a signature strip in the back. I got so used to like, you know, just doing something silly on the signature. And I think our friend Dave did something similar as well. For years. Well, Dave Birch, has, yeah, Dave Birch has been talking about that for like at least a decade. And so, you know, try it. Next time you're in the U.S., for anybody of our global audience, um, you know, when you are in the U.S. and if it, for any reason, any of the cards uh, that you use, sign something else because no one looks at it. Um, the, the, the idea of, of doing that signature is, is archaic as writing checks. It is. But, you know, what's interesting, though, um, I spent a whole month in Hong Kong this summer. And every time when I sign, they actually ask for the card turn it around and check the signature. I don't know what that does, but it, it, it's, it's really funny. You talk about regional habits. Yeah, maybe, maybe because, um, you know, they're not used to the signature piece. I mean, is that everybody's using WePay and AliChat and everything else out there and, and the Octopus card. And so nobody even uses a card, right? <laughs> it's, it's arcade. They're like, card? Wait. Um, but yeah, it, it's so I, I think there are a lot of little subtle things, right, with, with, this, with this card. Obviously, you know, from the get-go, Apricot doesn't offer everything and everything under the sky, but that's not what it's meant to be, right? It's an iteration process. Just look like how the ver first version of iPhone compared to what we have right now, the first version of iPod compared to what we have right now. I, I still have the multiple versions and, and, and lines of the devices. It didn't do everything under the sky, but eventually I think what Apple does and excel in is, is the entire experience, right? Not just the physical product itself and the feature sets that it delivers, but the entire thing end to end and what it can build upon. I think that is the exciting part. Well, and, and I think it also shows that both Goldman and Apple are having a long-term play here. Um, if there were ever companies that looked at um, not just revenue from a long-term process um, standpoint, but everything is sort of built around logistics. And I think that that's something that Apple has been fantastic at over the last decade since they launched iPhone 11 years ago. 
um, I guess it's 12 years ago almost now, the the launch originally didn't have the App Store. You know, the launch of things like Apple Music didn't have the ability for interoperability across operating systems or across devices or, you know, onto online. And so when you think about, again, wish lists for Apple Card or for a card like this, um, I would imagine that one day they're going to have to decouple it from a device. And if they don't, that, you know, how are they going to have Apple Card or Apple Pay be more prevalent in markets outside of the U.S. and Japan where Android is dominating. You know, there's there's very few markets outside of, you know, those two that Apple is above say 30 35%. Um so it's it's very unique in this in this you know space for for an issuer and a device manufacturer like this to be so embedded. Um the other piece we should probably go back on is you know what about the the consumer wellness, financial wellness. You know, the knowing how you spend, um, there's other applications that have sort of come and gone, like debitize that allowed you to sort of pay off your credit um, immediately like a debit card. Or there's Zero Financial, which offers sort of high rate rewards um, on their card in order to provide you both insight into your spending, but also a way to pay off your, your debt before it even becomes debt. Um, what else would we sort of put into Apple Card if, if we had our say? I'd say one of the things is, you know, look at consumers' spending habits and see where they can help them trim off the bills, right? So services such as Shark, for example, that would be a good one. Um, again, it's not something really hard to do. And it's something that's already out there. So why not? Well, the other thing, I mean, if people do actually start getting uh, a little bit of debt, the one thing about this card is that, you know, compared to some others, the rate's actually not that bad. Um, Even for consumers, again, that don't have a high rewards titanium type of card. um, That's what's kind of interesting here is that this play, again, for Goldman is also long term because they're getting consumers as they develop their wealth. Um, so I think it's a very interesting mass market play, but I want them to double down on this idea of financial wellness and build in other types of applications. Again, like Bill Shark, like you said, they help you cancel subscriptions. The subscription economy and the way that we've gone from my, my existing bill set includes things like my mortgage or my car payment or my rent and those kind of bigger things. Well, now we have Netflix and internet and cable and all of a sudden – a third to a half of our bills are things that are controllable in ways that they weren't before. And so discretionary spending has shifted so much in a subscription economy where something like Apple Card can move the market just as they've done in movies and music and everything else that Apple touches. So if we could push them as an industry to be really this sort of waving flag into the wilderness to say, look, financial wellness is a thing. This is important. And this is what every single card needs to have as stakeholder type of applications for financial wellness. And that, I think, would be fantastic. I think that would be awesome. You know what else is fantastic? Give us a, a way so that we can actually store our card without worrying it's going to fall apart. <laughs> I think that was the, oh, you mean like, the latest like joke. Put it with your, if, if you put it into a leather wallet, it's going to be discolored. Is that, is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, or a denim, right? Because 
of course, we all put stuff in, in the pocket of our jeans, right? Why not? But um, that, 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 that was an interesting uh, thing. I think someone suggested that we should take out the old um, iPod Nano socks. Do you remember those? And put them oh, in yeah. a bunch of Oh, yeah. I think I've fit. got a whole bunch of them. That's so fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> right? Sell the uh, Apple Card um, sock while you're at it. But uh, anyway, I, I, I still think that this is going to be a good play. I, think, I don't think that we're giving them enough credit um, for what it could be. So, but it remains to be seen. All right. So I think that's it. We're going to wrap up. And thank you so much for joining us for the chit-chatting about the Apple Card. Thank you.